0: Over 10 years. This group has been happening for over 10 years. Uh, I think the only ones here the entire time are Paul and Karen. Kat has been close though. Um, So lately we have been feeling like the Lord has a new vision, a new direction, a new calling that he is going to bring us into. Hey Dave. Hey Dave. Sorry, it's my turn to preach, so. respects. So we've been feeling like God is bringing us a new vision. And we sense that the Lord is bringing a call, something specific that he wants us, this community, to do, to be a part of. Um, within the body of Christ in the Twin Cities, we believe that revival is coming. We believe it's already started. It's like a seed that's growing in the ground and the roots are going down deep. And it won't be too long before we see it shoot up and things are going to get crazy and awesome. And people we've been praying for forever are going to get saved and healed, and it's just going to be like Acts 2 all all the time, and it's going to be awesome. And between now and then, we're like, okay, Lord, what do we do? What do we do? What what, what do you have for us as a community, as a group of people? And we were praying and praying and praying as a leadership team for a couple months, and God wasn't saying much. Anybody ever experienced that? Mm -hmm. You ask God for something, and he says, you keep asking and he says, You keep asking him, and he's like, Isn't that weird sometimes, how God does that? Notice that in the Bible, when Jesus talks about prayer, almost every single time, he talks about persistence. He talks about how you pray and pray and pray. You ask and 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 ask, and ask and ask and ask, et cetera, until he speaks, until he answers you. That's how Jesus wants us to pray. And so sometimes he chooses not to say something right away, to get us to exercise our faith and keep praying and keep praying. So we're praying, Lord, give us a vision. Give us a vision. And I was praying one night, and I will admit, if this was not like a on my face, prostrate before the Lord in the presence of God, please give us. it was like, yeah, and Lord, give us a vision too, like in between other things I was doing. And the Lord spoke. Total surprise, out of nowhere. I'm like, yeah, so yeah, also, you know, give us a vision like for our, our lives. That would be cool. And God's like, Luke 10. And I was like, all right, Luke 10, that seems cool. I knew some stuff that was in Luke 10, but I didn't really know everything that was in there. And so I I opened up to Luke chapter 10, and I started reading it. And I read it, and I read it, and I read it over and over and over again. And I am not ashamed to admit that I started to weep, because it was clear to me that Luke chapter 10 is what God is calling us to as a community. This is who he's calling us to be. It's what he's calling us to do. And I don't just mean part of it. I mean every single thing in there. And there's some pretty darn good stuff in here, i got to say. It's true with most chapters of the Bible, I find. But Luke 10 is in particular awesome. I mean, Mary and Martha, the Good Samaritans, sending out the 72. There's good stuff in here. And so this is going to be more or less our theme off and on over the course of this year. And over the next four weeks, I'm going to be preaching and going through, piece by piece, Luke chapter 10. Paul's going to help me out. Tonight we're just gonna give, (coughs) excuse me, a quick overview of the chapter and what it looks like and what it is that God is saying here. So I believe that this is a vision that God is giving us. (coughs) Pardon my voice. Um, Overall, our mission has has always been to, to train and raise up people, especially young adults, to fulfill the destiny that God has called us to, right? So you might say we are called to train and equip ministers and leaders for the body of Christ. Or now I would say, we are called to train and equip ministers and leaders for the next Great Awakening. Because that's what we believe we're doing here. And when I say ministers, I'm not talking about pastors. Okay? Everybody everybody understand what I'm talking about? When I say minister, I mean every person whose butt is on a seat, or if anybody's standing, you too. Okay? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, you can look it up. It says this. God gave the church... Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's the five-fold ministry, people sometimes call it. Okay? He gave those five people, those five offices, those five, uh, it's, they're offices of, of oversight, of ruling, of leading. And it says he gave them for the purpose of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and for building up the church. So two things that people like Paul and I do, and Steve. He's a pastor. We build up the church, and we equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, who are the saints? All of you. That's the New Testament word for followers of Jesus, right? Saints, believers, Christians. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, for hundreds and hundreds of years, the church has got it a little backwards. And they've said, we're going to hire some dude, always a dude, not a girl, who went to seminary, and which is like some special holy place, and they're going to wear something cool, and they get to do ministry. And we get to listen or, or pay the money or whatever, right? That's not what this says in here. It says those people are important, but they were called for a specific purpose to build up the body and to equip you to do the work of the ministry. We are not in charge of doing the work of the ministry. You do the work of the ministry of the gospel. Are we hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Give me a couple of nods. Okay. You are called to do the work of the ministry. You're all ministers. You're all missionaries. You're all sent ones, as Luke talks about. We get to coach you. We get to train you up. We get to help you figure out what am I called to do? What is my destiny? And we get to help you fulfill that. Everybody with me? That's that's my job. My job here isn't to minister and to be like the holy man or whatever. My job is to train and equip you so that you can fulfill your destiny. So that you can do everything God is calling you to do in your life. To equip you, the saints, for the work of the ministry. Cool? All right. And so um, that is what we're about here. We're about equipping each other to do the work that God is calling us to do. We're all called to be ministers. And you guys know people in your families, in your work, in your school, in your friend groups that I'll never meet in my life probably. And so I'm not called to minister to those people. You're called the minister of those people.
1: But I'm getting ahead of myself.
0: That's that's part of Luke. Okay. So, everybody with me so far? Still awake? This is going to be a short sermon because we're not having a lot of time. Um, I would like you, as homework, between now and next week, to read through Luke chapter 10. I'm sure some of you guys do Bible study, like in the mornings or at night or somewhere in between. Study a chapter of the Bible, that sort of thing. Between now and next Thursday, I encourage you to study Luke chapter 10. Just read it. Pray about it. Meditate on it. If you've got other stuff to study and you don't have time, that's fine. But if you're like, ah, I just sort of flop up in my Bible, do whatever. Or maybe you're just not sure what to study this week. Or maybe God's like, pause whatever it is that you're studying, whatever you're doing in your quiet time. Pause that. Do this. Consider that. Read through Luke chapter 10. Study it. There's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, and moving forward, um, the more we've read it, the easier it's going to be to talk about it. Um, there's a ton of stuff here in Luke 10. I- I'm not going to read it all. Bless you. Reading the whole thing would take about eight minutes, so I'm not going to do that. The first section is Jesus sending out the 72, i.e. people in the church. They're not named. They're just everybody else. This isn't the disciples. This is the folks, the peeps, everybody else, you guys, everybody in the church. Jesus sends them out. And they do ministry. And it's awesome. And they come back, and they're rejoicing, and Jesus rejoices, and he dances around, and it's really cool. And... um Then we read about the Good Samaritan, which is a pretty famous parable. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. And then we get the story of Mary and Martha. You guys are familiar with that story, Mary and Martha, where Jesus teaches about the one thing that is necessary, which is our relationship with him. Now, normally when we study a passage or a chapter of the Bible, we would go from the beginning to the end and sort of study it in order. But I think the order of Luke 10 is better seen visually than it is in linear Western thinking order. This was written by non-Western thinking people. They, they often think visually. So think of the page as being Luke 10. So what happens at the end is the bottom of the page, right? What happens at the beginning of the chapter is the top of the page. So I want you to think of Luke 10 as a mountain, OK? When you look at Luke 10, I want you to think of it as a mountain. Anybody know what mountain that is? Mount Fuji. Fuji-san, I, did, I uh, chose that in honor of Karen. So, that is Mount Fuji, one of my favorite mountains. In Incredible if you've ever seen it. it is, uh, it's amazing because it's a mountain all by itself. It's not part of a mountain range. So, it just sticks up out of nowhere. It's a lot like Mount Rainier in Seattle, if you've seen Mount Rainier. Yeah. Um, and so, that is Mount Fuji. That's a cute little village at the base of the mountain. This is a lake. And that's a guy in a boat. Um, you know I thought. It, right? You personally know it. I, I do. Well, I, I've given him a name. It's uh-huh. Tony. And I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you why later on. So think of this as the mountain of Luke 10, okay? Um, or Mount Revival, you might call it, because Luke, that's what Luke 10 is about. It's about revival. Um, and so I want you to think of like, here's the beginning of the chapter, middle of the chapter, end of the chapter. Does that make sense? So when you, look at fa- when you look at it visually as a mountain, this is the base of the mountain, the foundation of the mountain. That's the most important part of the mountain, right? The foundation, just like a building most important part about a building is its foundation. If the foundation is bad, the building falls over, right? That's another teaching that Jesus has. So if the foundation of a mountain is bad, it falls over. So this is the foundation. That's the most important part of the mountain. You can uh, put the other slide up. Thank you. And so here are the different sections of Luke 10. So at the end, which is the bottom of the mountain, you have the one thing necessary, okay? Our relationship with Jesus. And then... As we climb up, you've got the Good Samaritan. Should have brought a laser pointer. Um, And then you've got a section where uh, Jesus is talking about our favor, incredible favor that we have, which is very true in times of revival. And finally, the sent ones, the 72 that are sent out. And so this is the progression of Mount Revival, as I would call it. Now, um, I'm just going to go real briefly through the chapter, just give you kind of a snapshot of everything. And then over the next weeks, we're going to go into it in depth and really study this. So... To climb a mountain, you'd start at the bottom, right? Typically, unless you have a helicopter, that'd be cool. Um, so, still start at the bottom of the <laughs> with a helicopter, you do probably start from the ground unless, unless you can fly. Already high so, to climb a mountain, you've got to start from the bottom. And by the way, I, I don't think too linearly about this. I'm not saying we have to graduate this before we can move to this. We have to graduate this before. I'm not saying that. I think we do all of these things at the same time. Does that make sense? Um, but we do, I think, get better at at each one, which helps us then with the subsequent level, if that makes sense. But I'm not saying we can never be sent until we've gotten this one down. That, don't look at it too linearly. Um, I'm also not saying that revival only is achieved once we get to the top. I just called it Mount Revival because that's a cool name. Okay, are you with me? I like saying what I'm not saying, just to make sure. So, uh, Luke 10, if you want to flip open to it, Luke 10, this passage about Mary and Martha is at the end. It's... Um, Verses 38 through 42. So in this passage, and we're going to look at this passage next week in depth. But in that passage, we see Mary and Martha, who are two sisters. And Martha is doing what was expected in that culture. And she was serving Jesus. She was making him some food, whatever. And Mary was just sitting at his feet. Martha gets really, really upset. And we'll talk about why she got upset next week. Um, and she finally comes to Jesus and yells at him, which is a symptom that maybe there's something going on that's bad. If you're yelling at Jesus in a mean way, um, why don't you tell her to help me? To Prava, okay? And Jesus is like, "Whoa, Martha, you're like so stressed out and upset. Like, there are only a few things that are really necessary. Actually, at the end of the day, there's only one thing that's necessary, and that's what Mary's doing. And I'm not going to tell her to stop." And that one thing that Mary was doing was sitting at Jesus' feet, being with Jesus. And so our relationship with God is the most important thing in our life. We learned that in Sunday school, if, if we went to Sunday school, right? God's number one in our life. Our relationship with him is the most important in our life. But the problem is, as we mature and as we grow, we want to serve the Lord. We want to change the world. We want to do things for God, right? Which is great. But then we get confused, and we start thinking that serving God is the same thing as being with God. And that serving God is the same thing as having a relationship with God, but they're not the same. Serving God is not the same as your relationship with God. A lot of Christians, especially really hardcore Christians, their priorities in life are actually serving God followed by their relationship with God, and that's bad for you. It's bad if that's, if that's your life. I've been there, and I experienced the badness. We'll talk more about that next week, but it doesn't work. It's not the formula for life that Jesus had intended for us. Our relationship with him comes first, then serving God, which is wonderful. It's wonderful to serve God. We all want to serve God. But our relationship with God, God himself, comes first. So that is the one thing that Jesus says is necessary. And so the reason that's the foundation of the mountain is that this is like our base camp. Our relationship with God is it. This is where we live. I chose a picture of Mount Fuji with a little village at the bottom here. This is like our base camp. Okay, This is us. This is where we live. We live here. We live in the presence of God. We live in our relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what is the grounding and center of our life, is God himself. And from this base camp, we make excursions. You might call it ministry. Outreach, whatever you want to call it. We make excursions to other things, other places. But at the end of the day, we always come back to our relationship with God. Because that is the one thing. That is the foundation of the mountain. That's where we start. That's where we end. That's everything. And... uh, I like the lake because uh, water is a symbol of the Holy Spirit in the scripture, a symbol of the presence of God. And so here we are, by the lake, being refreshed, living in the presence of God all the time. That's where we live. That's why this is Tony in the boat, because he's just in the presence of God all the time. Um, <laughs> I thought of that today. I'm like, oh, that's Tony in the boat. i like, um, Tony. So this is where we want to live. This is where we want to be, in our not just as a community. Yes, that, but also as, as Christians, as individuals. We want to live in the presence of God. We want God to really be the most important thing in our life. And not just pretend. You know, the word Lord means master. It means master. If he is the master of our life, then he is first. He makes the calls. Not us. A lot of us have lives that are really difficult and frustrating and things aren't successful the way we want them to be because we're still trying to be in charge of our own life. And we're not letting Jesus be our Lord the way he wants to. I've been there, too. <laughs> it's not fun. Okay, so this is, uh, this is our one thing. That's our base camp. That's where we live. Um, uh, the Good Samaritan, Luke 10, 25 through 37. We all know that passage. Another good Sunday school passage. So, yes, we live in our relationship with God, but we are also called to serve. You know, that's number two, not number one, but we are called to serve. And sometimes we're called to serve in ways that are not easy. Sometimes we're called to serve in ways It cost us our time, cost us our money. It it might occasionally even be dangerous, like going to live in another country, like Brock is doing. Um, And we see that in the Good Samaritan. There's also a clear, uh, I I don't think the Samaritan particularly liked the guy he helped. Uh, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along at all. And by that, I mean they hated each other. Um, Have you seen the Veggie Tales? Uh, Which one? Flipper Olu, is that what? uh, Anyway. They're throwing pots or shoes back and forth at each other. That's, that's sort of a symbol of, of, of the Jews and the, Samar- uh, the Samaritans, okay? They didn't like each other at all. Um, and yet God said, I want you to stop and help that person. And he did it. Um, there's also a clear cross-cultural component to the Samaritan, because these are two different cultures, two different people. Now, we're a multicultural group, okay? We do, we do pretty well, especially for Minnesota, because Minnesota has historically, like, as white as you can, as white as snow, okay, right? And so we do a pretty good job at at being intentionally multicultural, and I think God wants to bless us even more in that area, but I also think that God is going to call us to cross-cultural ministry, which is what the Good Samaritan is really about. It's about cross-cultural ministry, being willing to to make those leaps and make those steps to risk your money, to risk uh, your time, to risk your uh, everything, (laughs) honestly. Yeah, to, to risk how other people are going to see you and how they're going to view you. Um, and So we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Um, but that's one of the things that God is calling us to as a community, I think. Uh, we're hopefully going on a mission trip to Tanzania sometime later this year. We are hopefully going on a mission trip to Puerto Rico sometime later this year. Puerto Rico. Puerto so Rico. And we're going to continue going on mission trips and hooking up with other groups that are going on mission trips because cultural ministry is important and it's something that uh, God is calling us to. And, and going to that <clears throat> yeah, I would love to. Let's just, let's just go all climb Mount Fuji. You know, my, my wife, Sarah, climbed Mount Fuji. I should have brought the stick. I'll bring it next to me. Okay. She has the walking stick you get when you climb the mountain and get to the top. She yeah. got struck by lightning up there. It's a long story. Actually, it's a short story. She got struck by lightning. So. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, the guy next to her did, but her arm was all burned. Um, There's kind of lightning constantly happening up on the mountain. Um, A lot like Mount Sinai, the mountain of the Lord. It's kind of, you know, electric. So, yes, the Lord is there. And we will be there, too, at least in spirit. Okay, uh, the next section um, talks about favor, the favor of God, rejoicing in God's will. When the 72 come back, Jesus is ecstatic. He is so happy. He's, like, celebrating. It's, It's actually really neat. In the same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, and he said, thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them instead to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. And he goes on and on. Jesus is really excited when the the sent ones go out and come back. And then he he talks about favor, and he says this, and this is a prophetic word for us, for our community, and this is going to be said of us someday. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Verse 23 and then verse 24. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus said, blessed are you to those who were sent out. And he's saying that to us too. Because what we are going to enter into in the days, months, years, decades. You know, I think it's going (laughs) to last a long time. um, Ahead is things that our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents prayed for and prayed for and prayed for. Lord, bring us another great awakening. Bring us another great awakening. Bring us a move. Bring, bring us a revival like in, like in the olden days that we've heard about, that we've read about, that we see in the Bible. Bring that to us. They have prayed and prayed and prayed and then died without seeing it. And then the next generation prayed and died without seeing it. We get to see it. Not because we're cool or special or deserve it. Because we're blessed. It's God's favor. God's favor is going to be on us, and we're going to be called blessed. And that's an incredible thing. And we'll learn more about the favor of God and what it means. And then finally, um, at the top of the chapter, top of the mountain, if you will, we have uh, the story of the 72. And this is probably the best passage about revival in the Bible that I know. Um, It's really, really cool. First of all, he sends out the 72, which don't have names. This is the rest of the church, okay? He's already sent out the 12 apostles. That happened a couple chapters ago. They got sent out. They came back. They're like, even the demons listen to us. This is amazing. Jesus is like, yay, that's awesome. But be more happy that, like, you're in God and your relationship in God and that your name is written in heaven. Be more happy about that than that the demons listen to you because that's really a secondary thing. Um, and Peter's like, okay, because um, he's always saying the wrong thing, which is why he's so, so likable. You know what I mean? Because we've all been stupid um, from time to time. And, but, but here in Luke 10, we see Jesus sending out everybody else. The saints who are being equipped for the ministry, right? Us. He's sending out all of us. And, uh, and it says he sent them every, to every town and place where he himself was about to go. And we are sent to places where God himself is about to come, where the Spirit himself is about to come. And he is going to send us places and revival is going to follow why? Because we're super special? No. Because we're obeying. That's it. The seventy-two weren't rock stars; they were fishermen and plumbers, whatever plumbers did back in the first century. Uh, normal folks. Normal folks. Not not seminary grads. Okay. Normal folks. And God's used them, and God's going to use us too, and it's going to be awesome. Um, uh, also, in, in verse three uh, or verse two is the famous passage: "Pray, therefore." Or the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into your harvest. And so we need to pray. And we're going to talk about prayer and how important intercessory prayer is and prayer that God will move. This says pray earnestly that the Lord will send out laborers into the harvest. The harvest is revival, bringing people in, right? Pray earnestly that God's going to send laborers. Pray earnestly that he's going to bring it because it's time. It's time. The Fields are white for harvest, he says. And so the answer is yes, we pray. That's one of the important things for us to do as a community is to continue to pray for revival. But that's not all we do. The first word of the next sentence is go. Your way, therefore, I am sending you out. And so we pray, but we also go. We don't just sit around and pray waiting for something to happen. We do it. We do the stuff at the same time and pray simultaneously. Are Everybody with me? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so the question is, where do we go? Like, where is God calling us? Where, where am I being sent? If God is sending me out, like one of these people, where is he sending me? Where am I being sent? Well, first off, God is calling you to minister his love to places he's already sent you. You weren't born into the family, for example, that you were born into by accident or adopted into. That was intentional and in God's design. God wanted you in the family that you're in. He sent you there. He sent you to the job you have, the school you're in. He sent you to the friends you have. He sent you here tonight. He has sent you so many places already. And so we start by ministering the love of God to the places he's already sent us. It's not just about finding where it is we're called. Maybe it's Mozambique for some people, but others are like, where's my Mozambique? Well, your Mozambique might be in the room next to you where you live, your family, your roommate. Okay. God has already called you. He's already sent you to those places. And so first, we need to be faithful to where God has already sent us. And a clear, clear truth throughout Scripture is that when you are faithful in little, you'll be given much. And so if we're faithful into where God has already sent us, then God is going to send us more places. Amen. And so as we see God invade the lives of our family and our friends and our co-workers, even that one that we hate, we don't admit we hate him because that's super unchristian, but we totally hate him because he's a jerk, right? Even them. And God is going to touch the lives of all these people. And then he releases us to go to the next place and the next place and the next place. And a lot of us here are going to be going to all over the world to minister for the Lord. Not as a professional minister, like me with the collar, which I'm not wearing because I never do. Um, but as a, as a person, as a saint, as someone called by God to minister, because that's who all of us are. So we're going to go into Luke 10 uh, over the next few weeks, and it's going to be pretty sweet. Um, but first, let's discuss and let's talk. Uh, grab some people near you, or if you've got a friend on the other side of the room, it's okay to get up and run over there and sit by them. Um, but get into groups of like four-ish, maybe five. Four or five people, and we're going to have a few discussion questions. First off is, how does it make you feel that God wants to use you to be a minister of his love? How does it make you feel? You're not talking to a shrink, just you're talking to other people, okay? So go ahead and like turn or move your body in a way that you can speak to other humans that's not on Facebook, and let's do that. I know good things are happening right now, but I'm just going to pause for a second and pray for you because it's 8.30 and we like to respect your time. And so I'm going to pray for you and we'll officially end and you can continue to hang out. So uh, I'm just going to pray the benediction over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.